Tomorrows. You must have pressed play on Out of the Podcast, your favorite weekly film noir conversation. We changed the title to, I guess I, we've already done a couple by this point, but yeah, yeah, maybe even changed it again. Just trying okay. to be a little more visible in the algorithm. No sponsorships yet. Have you gotten any? Has anyone approached you on the street, Willy Wonka style, trying to get you to, to do a sponsorship? Um, Inspector Dan? No. I should I should just walk around asking random people if they'll if sandwich board on you. Yeah. Either that or like or find like a place that's like maybe like a local like hoagie shop or something like that. Like just sure. like, you know, find find something that's a little bit you know, a little bit off the off the path. You know what at the what we should also do, you know, in that regard, uh Inspector Dan, this is gentleman Joey talking. Hello. <laughs> I wanna get this introduction out of the way so we can just free flow. We should have a, a business card or even just like put our phone number on the back of one of our stickers and drop it in that uh, that bucket, get a free hoagie for lunch or something if they pick your business card. I'll just say like, well, usually it's like it's like a business, like a business lunch, but I'll yeah. take that. I mean, if we get a whole hoagie tray, I mean, I'll... And there's two of us. That's a business yeah. lunch, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could do like a raffle for, for like listeners that they can join us and have a discussion and, yeah. and some hoagies. Our listeners love joining in on discussions and, and uh, interacting and with the show. So, yeah. Hoagies might be what actually what we get them with. Hey, whatever, whatever it takes. You know, Hoagie will get me in. Welcome to the show. We're on, a, we're on a time clock. Dan decided to sabotage the show and get his second vaccine shot, vaccination shot. Whoa. <laughs> you think um, I just got mine with that kind of talk? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I just got mine uh, just a short while ago, about an hour ago. So, you yeah. feeling sluggish? Um, not yet. I mean, I still have like that kind of like requisite like arm pain like at the source, but maybe um, we'll hear it in real time. I, maybe we'll be able to pinpoint the exact moment, time yeah. stamp of when it happens for you. I'll let I'll let you know. We'll we'll, we'll I'll, I'll keep you posted if anything starts going a little south or if, if you start noticing. Usually, you're checking your uh, app that you're listening to this on the time just to see how much is left before we shut the fuck up and you can get on with your day. But actually, this time you could look at it like a stopwatch to see. How long did it take Dan to hulk out on vaccination? Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully I'm good, but we'll see. You said you haven't seen Young Guns, right? No, I have not. Okay, well, I can't make a very specific Young Guns reference, which is too bad. <laughs> well, my young gun, my fellow it. Young Gun heads out there, they know they know what I'm talking about right off the bat. They should. It's the one of the most iconic scenes of that movie, in my opinion, a gentleman's opinion. I'll have to watch it. All right, Dan. I have a list. I have a list. I have the Bill and Ted I feel movies. like I'm already interacting with with a, a successful vaccination. In like a good way or a bad way? <laughs> well, good that I'm happy for you. Okay. But bad in the... I need, I need some a little more Pep Strebeck over here. A little Pep Strebeck. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I am a little bit more sluggish already than I thought I would be, so... Well, I think I think it was like maybe like this might be take like, one of a take two episode. We might redo this one. We might <laughs> recut it uh, much like they did with this film, Touch of Evil. Or what you can do is you can splice just things I say from other episodes in and just sprinkle them in, like yeah. out of context. Holy shit! If we could just do that in general, we could just call it a day. And ba- basically, it's like a you know uh, what like fake Shemp uh, idea, like with the Three Stooges, where like they had. Uh, when Shemp was like having all the issues and they had like stunt doubles come in, they were like inserting stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, well that was happening because he had health issues and then they, um, 
they were trying to finish episodes like the shorts that they were doing and they would bring in different actors like and they're just showing from the back and that's how like it became like a trope that like if you're bringing in somebody like that's uh i would think like you could consider nowadays like in plan nine from outer space with bella lugosi like you consider when they had the i think it was like somebody's wife's dentist or whatever was like a stand-in for bella lugosi uh he could be considered like a fake shrimp because it wasn't really wasn't really him anybody was standing in for him and that you know how we could we could bring not everything together with the reference you just made daniel how so have you seen the film ed wood I have. It's been a long time, but I have seen it. Yes, the the Tim Burton one. Orson Welles appears in that movie, or someone playing him, of course. I don't remember who. And yeah. he actually discusses how he is going to be working on the film we're discussing today, oh. Touch of Evil. See how that how he's worked having out? trouble with that. Yeah. It's so effortless. It's so effortless. It's me. Yeah. I'm all about effortless. <laughs> That's good. I, I, I am too. You know what? Fair enough. I think we've displayed that. You got anything else to share with us, Dan? As we work against the clock, um, ticking time bomb. Yeah. Um, also very apropos for the, the this epi- this movie, this episode, as we'll get into. Oh, I do have something. Uh, so I wanted to give you my rundown. I watched Miracle Mile uh, last Excellent. weekend. I kind of, uh, I you know, I said to save it for the podcast, and then I instantly regretted it because you want to talk so much about it, but it's impossible without spoiling it. Sure. I think we could got. try to, we'll try to scale it down. I think I could I, just edit this whole number out if we need to. So do what you got. We may even say, let's take a pause and the lads talk about it. Who knows? But yes, did you like it? I guess that's number one. I did. I did. It, it was, it was a very odd film, but I liked it. I, I liked that. It has like a very, it's very weird. It's a very weird film, but I, I, I like it. I was trying to, it kind of reminded me of like, after hours meets like Repo, like meets like a little bit of repo man like a little bit of a couple of little touches here and there damn they needed you for the poster this thing just sold itself i'm right. already was like i'll watch that that's not yeah. great and i know that's exactly what you're talking about you got anthony edwards you got uh what's her name from saint elmo's fire mayor wayne <laughs> Ma- Ma- right? Ma- Ma- yeah yeah I-, I will say that i will admit that i'm a saint, saint elmo's fire uh fan uh, sure. I think that one gets uh, gets is very underrated of the uh, John. And Hughes the beginning song. of this movie kind of has you know some hints of that where it's it's very lovely and very romantic. Yeah, romantic. Yes. Yes. But yeah, it's it's a weird hijinks weird, ensue. Weird tone uh, of the movie, but I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was the soundtrack was fantastic. I mean, the yes, Tangerine, Tangerine movie, Dream. It made me want to get the like the the record of it. Like I really wanted to get like the. They just uh, I was gonna say recently, but it was a couple years ago now. But yeah, they did reissue it. Yeah. Um, so there. yeah, I, I loved it. I thought the score was really cool. But yeah, the the diner was really neat. Um, it's a diner. I, yep. Yeah, there's a great diner in it. Yeah, just like how frantic it is, and like you kind of can find yourself trying to immerse yourself in a situation. Like I, I like films that like when you can really like not not empathize, but you can really kind of insert yourself into the. Plot like, yeah. Well, see, what like, would what, I do if this was I happening do? to me? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Yeah. This one, it's it's impossible not to think of it. Yeah, very, very interesting. But yeah, no, I liked it. I thought it was really okay. cool. So good, good recommendation. Definitely up my alley. Um, had that all, might be all, it. All I might be out of recommendations at this point. That's that's all I got. Yeah, good night, everybody. I was gonna say you've been you. I've been uh, I've been picking up a lot of your uh, recommendations. They've they've all been good so far. So I, I think Thank you've you. been 
A lot of them have been point. in real time, you know. Luckily, like that Southland Tales had just come out, so the the conversation was fresh. And yeah, Miracle Mile. I think we start. I think we mentioned. I, I, you know, we kind of talked about almost the first time we started talking about movies. So like, I had it, it kind absolutely. of in the back of my mind, but uh, haven't. I'm always dropping it. that on people. I love it so much. And um, Strangers on the Street. Just well, have you seen Miracle Mile? <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? I know they haven't, and they should have. But I would. I just was curious because I know, you know, you were who you are. <laughs> yes. yeah, oh, a yeah. fan of movies so it was very possible I, and I if not like, I was like well if you like movies here's one for you sir <laughs> that's exactly what you said verbatim um, exactly yeah, yeah anything like 80s like kind of like a cult like underground un, you know underrated movie like I, I'm definitely interested in it for sure if I haven't seen I mean I've seen many of them because that's a lot I got to I give like. you an 80s and a 90s version of that in the same Kino sale so that was good that's true. You did. And then I guess Southland Tales would be your 2000. So, yeah. you know what? I just need something from, from these last 10 years. Probably MacGruber. Probably MacGruber. Yes, you I did think. tell me about MacGruber. Unless that was that. like, that might have been 09, but I want to say it was like maybe 11. I'm not Let's sure. see. Check I that out, Dan. Because I'm your. And then after that, I got nothing. Cause. I got hey, guess nothing. what? You're in luck. It's 2010. Thank you. Would you just, just make a, did you just make a pavement reference as well? Maybe I did. I like that. I didn't want that to go unnoticed. Like, I'm not cool or hip and get references. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was listening to Pavement earlier uh, when I was getting my vaccine, but I didn't listen to that record. I listened to Shout Sandy out Shannon. to Pavement. Great band. Steve Malakmus. Yeah. I like them. I'm a fan. They've been, a, they've been a, a, a presence in my life. Yeah. I feel like we, we usually end up talking about them or Sebado or something like that or Dinosaur Jr. Like, one, one of that ilk the at, some, at Eels, some point. You know, we get there. We all get there. I don't want to talk about the Beatles. Beethoven, you know. Chopin. Sure. Cave drawings. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the true influence on, on, on us all. Exactly. Well, they had to show someone to hit the drums and That's true. Drum the strums, right? Has that they, ever been said? That was pretty clever. That should be on a band it was good. sticker. Drum the drums, strum the strums. That's somebody's next album. It was like the original like Mel Bay or like whoever the drum equivalent is for like there's like teaching books for music. Like I know Mel Bay was big for like guitars and bass. Like I used, I did the bass one, but I don't remember who does the drum ones because I never, I never like formally had drum training, even though I could play a little bit, but. I is, never Mel, is Mel Bay Bay? Like, is he like my Bay? Is he Bay? <laughs> is he just Bay in general? Um, I'm trying meme talk, Dan, because you oh. know, try, try to bring the audience down. I've been looking at the the analytics, and they said you, you need to you need to yell it up a little bit. I thought you were going to ask me your if talk did... of uh, semi obscure to mainstream audience uh, bands from the 2000s is not working. Okay, it's only getting you an older audience. I thought you were going to ask if he's related to Michael Bay. Oh, like I he... like that. I'll take that. Maybe, maybe he... that'll work. Uh, is he Bay? Is he of the Bay uh, persuasion? Uh, Bloodline? No, I don't think so. Oh, Bay is not Bay. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, sorry. But oh, I mean, welcome he, to this he, show. He was a pretty cool dude, though. Yeah. All right. So he sounds no. like he is Bay. He's just not Bay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I fucking hate everything I'm saying. You think I would have got the shot with this talk, Dan? Yeah, it's okay. I'm I'm let I'm letting it. This ride. is what I'm uh, going against right now. You know, you should usually you would have been there to say tisk tisk and 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 stop me from this kind of tomfoolery. I think we're on a runaway train at this point, so I'm having it's, a tough time seeing it. It's never coming it. back. Yeah. Uh, it's on a one-way track, right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, I watched Empire Records because it was Rex Manning Day the other day, so I watched that the other night. So it's always a fun time. Nice.
Not a fan? I'm not going to partake in this conversation. You're not going to talk about Empire Records? This is this is bait right now. <laughs> I was just baited. <laughs> I was trying to get you off topic as much as possible. But it's true. I did watch that movie. And, and that movie's fine. It, I, I can enjoy love it. Love Ethan Embry. I do. I do like Ethan Embry a lot. I, mean, I like Ethan Embry a whole lot. If I was making a movie, I would put him in there somewhere. If he's just like a fucking waiter or something, you know, I'd be like, oh, shit, it's Ethan Embry. Yeah. I like him. Shout out to Ethan Embry. Or I think as he's credited in that movie, I think he's credited as Ethan Randall in that movie. Yes, which he also was in... Um, was it? Dutch. Dutch, yeah. You like Dutch? Been a while since I've seen it. That's that's one I've, I've always seen. As a seen John like Hughes fan? Yeah. It... Once or twice, really. I've seen Dutch probably way more than I should have. It's all, yeah, it's a good time. I like Ed O'Neill, especially like a starring vehicle for him. That was that was I, that was a good time for me. I like Ed O'Neill in um in Little Giants. I, that was like Little Giants. That was wow. Movie, yeah, he was great in that. Yeah, I'll give you that. I feel like that was on streaming, and I wa- I rewatched it recently just to see like if it, like because like I How'd really that work that out movie. for you. It was. Man, did I funny. see that in theaters? I can't remember, but I definitely I saw it when it was fresh for sure. It was funny, man. Like I still I still thought it was a good. There was time. some laughs. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, look, I want, Moranis, you know, Moranis and Ed O'Neill is a wonderful combo for sure. So I'm I'm into that. I'm there for that. Is there who's who else is in there? Any other surprises? They'd be like, oh shit, they're in that. Well, isn't I think I think gotta be a played, friend, right? Junior, I think is played by Devin Sawa. I think. The, the other, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I think it's like he's in it, but like other than that, like it's not a lot of like, not even adult wise. There's not like a surprise actor. I'm trying to think. I'm gonna look up now. I um, bet you're trying to think with all that uh, virus running through you right now. Yeah, I am. Devin Sawa is it did play Junior Floyd. That's correct. Not really seeing any. No one's really standing out as far as like. Read got, me the list. Who we got? Oh, you know what they? You know who is in it though? Thank you. This is what I'm looking for. So so. What a, a really one of my favorite character actresses. One of your ma- favorite character actresses is in this movie and it's taking you to just now when I'm begging you for someone. This whole time. A, listen, listen. This is a while ago that I watched this movie, so I, I did not remember. But it's 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 Mary Ellen Trainer, and she's she's in like a myriad of films, and she like always kind of pops up in all these movies. I mean, she's in everything from Romancing the Stone, Goonies, the first uh, I think at least three or I think she's in all four Lethal Weapon movies. She's in Forrest Gump. She's in Congo. She's in uh, Action Jackson, Die Hard, Scrooge. Wait, who is this? Ghostbusters 2. Like I'm saying, like, she's a great, like, she just like pops up in these movies. Dan, I can't even find my phone to look this up. I'm, I'm looking, I need to know. I'll, I'll send you the link, man. What's her name? Mary Ellen Trainer. You would, you would recognize her if you saw her. Oh, there she is. Yeah. yeah she's would, a good time. Yeah. No longer with us. Sorry to hear. Yeah. Yeah, she looks like she she passed. Wow, away. she was uh, married to Robert Zemeckis for yes. Wow, and she was in Monster Squad too. She was like the one mom in that. Yeah, she was in Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yes, yeah, she's in so yeah. She was in like like I said, she like would just like pop up in like so many really good good films and Little Giants and Executive Decision. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird, like, that sports teams would, like, license out their names to these movies. I mean... I think more specifically with baseball, with, like, major leagues and stuff, with, like, you can say our team sucks, just as long as we, like, win in the end. Yeah, as long as they win and it's funny, I guess. But that's just fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, you got major league with with Cleveland, and then you have little big league, which is the Twins... Yeah, and then where they're have, like, yeah, yeah, we would take a child on as long as we win with that child. 
Well, no, he, well, yeah, he's the manager in that one. Rookie, okay. of the year, rookie of the year is the one with Thomas Ian Nicholas. This is the second the time Cops. on the podcast I've gotten these movies mixed up. And, is which it? means, yeah. Yes, which means it's coming up way too often. Yeah. And no one except for um, Harry Shearer is sticking out to me on this little Giants cast list. He, was he on the cast list? He was the, he's last on the cast list. He was the announcer, which makes perfect sense. He was, yes, yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's only at the very end of the film. Yeah. He is, he is really good at it too. He does that. I mean, his voice is so good. It's, he, he's like the perfect announcer. Like if you want a really good announcer, he's definitely like in the top 10, I would say of like sports and like faux sports announcers for a movie. I would definitely invite him. Do you think, um, <laughs> why can't I conjure his fucking name? The other, oh, uh, Hank Azaria. You think he would disagree with that? I think he's, uh, I think he'd be in um, Brockmeyer. I think he'd be in the Wasn't running. That it? Brockmeyer. I've never yeah. watched that show. I didn't either, but he was a sports announcer on that. So I'm saying there's there's a Simpsons rivalry right there. Although I know everyone hates Harry Shearer, is what I've heard. So. Oh really? Yeah, he he seems to be a real boner. Well, I'd say the probably the top of the list is probably Bob Yecker uh, for all the the major league movies. I think he kind of takes the the prize as far as amazing announcers from the major. Mr. League Belvedere, movies. right? Wasn't he on that? Was he? No, I believe so. Was he? Yeah, because he was a he was a major league baseball player. Yes, he was. But why don't you go ahead and look that up and confirm? And while I tell the story of Mr. Belvedere had famously sat on his balls during a scene. <laughs> I think I don't really like is where that, this conversation is. Is going. Mr. Belvedere still with us? Can I get sued for ball slander? We could stop there, but I'm just Stan. If you weren't high on vaccination, you would have never let this slide through. I'm so high. On vaccination, yeah. Yeah. You know what, though? Weirdly, I'm looking at your eyes and you do got... I, obviously, it's just the sluggishness. I think I'm starting to feel it a bit. Um, Great. Just in time for a movie talk. Let's, yeah. Let's give all our energy to Little Giants. He, he was on Mr. Belvedere, you're right. Thank you. Mr. Belvedere sat on his balls. And that's, I get apparently all we're going to say on that. Case closed. Dan, you like good movies? Sure. I sure you want, do. You want to talk about one? I would love to. I would love nothing more. Well, you better make sure it's the reconstructed version if you want to talk about a good movie. Are you talking about the 1998 one? Touch of Evil. 1958. Do you remember when you first saw this movie? Because it, it, I, I think with everybody, it, it's an early noir. I do. It comes along quickly. It's, it's in the conversation right off the bat. And right I do. So I got into this movie from a, a friend slash coworker when I worked at a record store. We, he was a big film guy. and He was the one that kind of told me about a lot of movies. He was older. And I remember him telling me about, you know, we were talking about, I think, Noah at one point, and he was like, oh, you seen Touch of Evil, right? And I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, and he just kind of looked at me. He's like, dude, he's like, the tracking shot in the beginning. He's like, dude, he's like, yeah. he's like, he's like, just go watch it. And like, that was basically all he said. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, that was kind of like what my first thought or impression was going to be. It was, I was thinking about what's this, what's this shot going to look like? And thinking about it after not seeing it for actually a few years now, because it's been a little while since I've seen it it's just as amazing as ever. Like just seeing the, that first shot, it, it just really, that if anything's going to draw you in, it's going to be that. And if it doesn't draw you in, then I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. We didn't get you with Lady from Shanghai, but we'll get you with Touch Evil. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. This was about 10 years after Lady from Shanghai. Second Orson uh, Welles noir film. I think that's it. Just the two. Well, oh, other than the third man, but certainly of his direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think even other than that, that's it. But he's good at it. And this one is the 
the main point you can make where you're like, okay, I yeah, agree. I mean, this is this is like one of the, the you know, considered one of the classics of the film noir, like the early film noir era. I mean, as much as it's yes. like towards the end of it, 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 and and reading about it and hearing about it, like in documentaries and, and, and of watching it, and there's even a really good one on the, the Blu-ray. Um, just it's almost like a happy accident kind of thing, where it just like it, things kind of just fell in randomly, and it just it's amazing that it wasn't. Is this your Blu-ray, Dan? It is the Blu-ray. Yeah, it is the Blu-ray. My question is because you're talking about those documentaries, mm-hmm. they split it up in two when it really did not need to be split. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the. I only watched the first one, the one where. Uh, they, it's the one with Peter Bogdanovich. I don't, I don't know if... if uh, boo! We got to do our, our boo for Peter Bogdanovich. The, not a fan? Not a fan at all. You don't like uh, Last Picture Show? Anything I like about that has to do with his ex-wife, Polly Platt, who is the real genius behind that. And mm-hmm. if you like podcasts and old movies, you should listen to You Must Remember This. They did a great series on Polly Platt called The Forgotten Woman or something like that. The Invisible Woman or okay. something like that. Very, very great. Um, and just, yeah, really, if you needed to know, Peter Bogdanovich sucks. He sucks. But I did like that Tom Petty documentary. So That's true. But that, you know, that's just someone pressing play and letting those guys talk. So I was going to say, there, how, was, there wasn't any editing really whatsoever. It seemed like it seemed like it was just like, hey, uh, I, so I insufferable this in this documentary too. Like, I, I just, I would never want to be a person who dies and then have someone I kind of knew be an expert on me and be like, well, he actually felt this way. And he said this, I re- I'll never forget that he verbatim said this to me. And just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, on one hand it's, it's nice. But, well, I mean, obviously you, if it's, if you have somebody that actually knows you firsthand, I mean that you hope that that's going to be a pretty good account, but you never know. You never know motive or you never know, like from their perspective. How motive mostly. I, it just feels like I wouldn't want someone telling a story about me that just benefits them, you know? Yeah. And I don't even mean, you know, like at my expense, but more just like, look what I know, you know? Isn't that cool about me? He knows Orson Welles, man. So did Polly Platt. Listen to that uh, yeah. podcast, you know? He ain't shit. <laughs> Fuck him. Made no movies of note after she left completely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do some more reading on him. I mean, I've only seen a handful of his films, so I don't, I don't really... wouldn't consider myself an expert. There you go. That's all right. What's there to be an expert on? Being a boner? Uh, so this was originally, the, uh, the novel was, it was based off of, it was called Badge of Evil. It's still a pretty cool title. Yeah. Okay. I, I ultimately liked Touch of Evil, which Orson Welles did not at first and then came to actually really embrace and said it was the best title of his movies. Just cool. And, you know, you get to speculate, well, what is a touch of evil? Just a little sprinkling of evil. And so the novel, it came out in 1956, and it was written by Whit Masterson, which, wait a second, that's a pen name for two American authors, actually. Hmm. They would stand up on each other's shoulder and put on a trench coat and pretend to be one author, Dan. They did that a lot back then. Robert Allison Wade and H. Bill Miller, they met at violin lessons when they were both 12. And together they wrote more than 30 novels, of which several were adapted for film, including this one, Touch of Evil. Wow. But I was given a fact when I should have, did you feel like you completed your story of when you first saw it? And I was going to offer up mine as well. Yeah, I, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, you, I, I feel you like... You like sequential stories, Zane, or you like to get a little artsy and move around a little bit? Because that's how we do our conversations here. I like a little I think they both have their place. So I, I think... Were I think you I'm recommended to watch the restoration, the, the 1998 version? 
I, I don't think I got a specific recommendation. I think I, I got it based on I bought the Blu-ray. I don't know I think, if that's a, a good recommender then. You need to, I think you need to say you got to watch this version. Because a lot of people default to theatrical. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I think this is the only version I've seen, I think, is this version. Because it seemed like the most complete vision of what Orson Welles wanted. And that's typically... I They hype it up on the that. back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that the running times aren't that much drastically different, I, I figured, you know, I'll, I'll go... I'll go with that one. I think this is the longest running of the three, but even so, it's still under two hours. So actually, I think the preview version might have been the longest version. Was it? So the reconstructed. If you watch 98... the second feature that you didn't watch, they get a little more into the the differences between the versions. Oh yeah. See, I I, I should have gotten into that, but I was it was getting to the point of the night where I was like, I'm probably gonna fall asleep. So uh, at least I watched the movie and part of the. There you go. I That's why get... I took a nap too. So yeah, I want to get some tidbits so I'd be ready to to talk about it. Oh, good. You got tidbits. I'm glad to hear that. I try. In high school, we watched this in film studies. It was after school, though. They would say, hey, you want some extra credit and see some cool movies while we're... And we were just discussing film noir. We, we watched Double Indemnity. They say, hey, you got to watch Touch of Evil. And of course, the tracking shot where everyone's so bonkers for that, rightfully so. And mm-hmm. we were strongly... I guess not encouraged because someone was pressing play, but they were letting us know, hey, there is a restoration and there's that whole text in the beginning of the film that goes into it so you you know you're watching a preferred cut yeah as much as it could be i mean orson wells wasn't alive to approve it but this was based off of a 58 page memo wow that's a long memo it's quite a memo quite a memo of the problems he had with the the version that had come out i believe that was the the preview version that he had problems with and then there was a theatrical version that was still done without his take yes but it was good i liked it i, I loved this movie right off the bat and then i got to see it did you have movie pass do you remember movie pass i remember movie pass i did not have it you didn't have movie pass i'm shocked to hear that why not i don't i don't like getting into all those things i don't know i'm just what i i'm i'm it's it's tough sell for me sometimes for certain things. Like I just I'm just like I just. It was a tough well sell in. about watching unlimited movies for in a theater for ten dollars a month. It seemed gimmicky to me, and I think for for me it's like I don't watch I don't love enough new releases. Like I'm a, actually a little bit more picky and choosy about new releases than I am about older ones. So I mm-hmm. think for me it would have been a tougher sell because I, I feel like I would I used to go to the movies fairly often, but. I don't think enough where it, it warranted me getting the movie pass. Like I, I didn't think I went enough to really think I would really benefit from it. And maybe it would push me to go more, but it, uh, there's a lot of movies I just have no interest in too. So it's just like, I, you know, I just didn't feel like it would be worthwhile. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I took full advantage for as long as I could. Cause it was clearly going to be a very temporary thing, mm-hmm. especially when I first moved to Philadelphia and it was still active. There's so many independent movie theaters here. So I would get to see, every indie movie that was coming out and um, try out everything, which I really did appreciate. Mm -hmm. I got to see um, my favorite was probably first reformed. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Which was my favorite movie of that year. Oh yeah. Fantastic. 2018, I believe. Yeah. It must've been. I actually, I remember watching that movie and I was so like overwhelmed by it that I remember I just, I, I, I went and saw myself and then I, I got in my car and I just sat there in silence for like, 10 minutes like just mm-hmm. just like thinking about it Absolutely. um it really bummed me out and, and it's it comes from a place where like you could sense the influences him i mean 
Robert Bresson, who's like one of my all-time favorite directors, he made a film called Diary of a Country Priest, and that was a huge influence on that movie. Also, uh, Winter's Light from Bergman was a big influence, but and Paul Schrader, I, you know, I just I like his work anyway. But and Ethan Hawke, I, I love Ethan Ethan Hawke. So like everything together, just it it all was just like perfect. You know, a twenty four, everything was it, all, all good. That was the thing. A twenty four, a twenty four was starting to really come out with a lot of content. So I, I was happy to go see it. And um, yes. especially by myself, I love going to the movies by myself. There's Same. no pressure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that, that movie pass was a beauty for that. That was mostly also, what I would be seeing is A24 movies. I mean, to go, exactly. usually to the theater, that's mostly what I would be go seeing exactly. for new releases. Especially when I first moved here and I was super broke and it was like, well, I can go see a movie for free. Yeah. So why wouldn't I do that? And I did it a lot. One theater would show old movies and they showed touch of evil so that was the last oh. time i saw it and uh, that was great it's the oldest movie i saw with my movie pass and was it was it one of the ritzes what's the one that's right next to lawn on the tooth oh i know what you're talking about i can't think of the name of it <laughs> it's a really small because I, I was like i i could not conjure i hope it's still there i, I felt like i walked by it semi-recently and i didn't see it but i didn't look too hard either i know what you're talking about but i don't think i ever actually saw a film there it's very small can't think of the name of it i'll have to think about it some more but yeah I, I can't think of what it is off the top of my head but yeah i know what you're talking about i don't know if it's still there i i don't know i could see that not surviving the pandemic yeah i mean it looked like a cool little spot but i just never it was very cool it's right next to helium dan i'm just seeing now that my um touch of evil blu-ray was made in mexico i find that very fitting yes because the film involves the location mexico. Oh, yes. yes. Big time. Big time. <laughs> all right, I said let's just get into it. Let's do I it. I feel like all my fun facts I can just sprinkle in throughout. Yeah. So we open good. with that tracking shot. And the difference between this reconstructed version and the theatrical version is Orson Welles didn't want any credits to be shown in the beginning, mm-hmm. which especially at that time was pretty unheard of. Yeah. And he also didn't want any music, you know, he wanted the, all the sound to be very natural. So, you know, you would follow a song from a car driving by or like a jukebox nearby. And in the theatrical version, there's just like a score playing over it as credits go. And I actually decided to, to watch that, just the intro from the theatrical version before we started recording today, just to get that a feel sense. for it. I didn't mind it too much. And in a way, it felt more of the time, yeah. which we cover. So I was okay with it. And it, it did make me a little more curious to watch this theatrical version. But I think ultimately I'm, I'm on board with the, the reconstructed version. That's, I wonder if it maybe feels a little too contemporary, like the edits, you know, cause it was done in 1998. Yeah. You know, versus 1958. So big change. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's tough to say. I mean, I haven't, like I said, I've, I think I've only seen the reconstruction version, so I, I, it's tough to compare, but I, I, I like the way it's edited in this movie. I, I, don't, I don't dislike it. I don't even need it as like a complaint of the edits, but yeah, certainly just the, the no credits in the beginning changes it dramatically. Sure. Because that is something we're so used to. Yeah. But yes, we follow a car, which there's a time bomb placed inside, mm-hmm. and we see... Susie and Miguel Vargas. They're on their honeymoon. I guess we should mention that this whole, I think it's about three and a half minutes, roughly. This, yes. It's one take. So it's, there's no, there's no cuts. There's no edits during it. So it's all, so it starts 
I think it's, I'm guessing it's like more handheld or, or it looks like it's handheld more so uh, when you're following the guy putting the bomb in the car and then mm-hmm. it, it rises up as a crane shot and then the crane shot carries over and then comes down. Uh, and there's a plus, lot of handheld yeah. in this, which was pretty revolutionary at the time. Yeah, so it's just interesting that it's all one shot, one continuous shot. There's no no cuts whatsoever. And that, that shot took the entire night to get right because the customs officer actor, who's at the very end, kept flubbing his lines because of the pressure. Yeah. And eventually, you know, towards the end, when it was starting to get light, Orson Welles just said, move your mouth. <laughs> and we'll just that was use funny that. story. Yeah, I, saw, I yeah. remember hearing that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it in post. Yeah, we'll do it in post. And uh, Janet Lee was saying that she was like, why didn't they get, he get fired? And, and Orson Welles said he knew it would actually devastate the actor and he didn't want to do that to him, which is nice of him. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. You, he's, you can see Orson Welles was a good guy who cared about actors. They heavily rehearsed this film like two weeks before shooting, I think, mm-hmm. and allow the actors input on their lines. You know, it was very collaborative. People were very excited to work with Orson Welles. Uh, Janet Lee signed on because of it. Eventually, you know, at first a low salary was offered to her agent and the word never even got back to Janet Lee. So he knew, had a feeling that might be the, the case. And he sent a letter saying, hey, we're so excited to work together. And she's like, what? Yeah. And the agent said that it's not, going to pay much. And he says, I don't care. I want to work with Orson Welles. And when Charlton Heston signed on, he actually thought Orson Welles was going to be directing as well. And that actually led to him directing. Yeah. He suggested it to, to the guys when he was getting pitched. He's like, well, oh, Orson Welles is going to play the, you know, the detective. He's like, well, why don't you just have him direct it? And they're like, oh, we'll get back to you. And then eventually yeah. they asked him, asked him and we're like, he's like, yeah, I'll, he, at that point, I think in, in Orson Welles career, I think he would have been ready and hungry to, to probably direct a film. I mean, getting that opportunity would probably have been huge for him. So I think with all of his sort of failures, everyone was aware it was mostly due to studio interference unless because of his creative vision. Everyone knew he was a genius that just, he clashed with studios constantly. Yeah. This time we have universal behind the the studio at this point. We we haven't done, have we done any universals yet? I was thinking about that. I think this might be the first one. Maybe we've done one other, but I'd have to look through the, I think it might be the first one. It might be the first, yeah. We've done a lot of RKO. A lot of RKO. Yes, a lot of And rightfully so. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that's not going to stop anytime soon either. Yeah. So it's a great one tracking shot. It's probably the greatest tracking shot ever. It's one of, yeah. I mean, there's the 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 only one I can really compare to this is there's a a Soviet film. It's it's co-Soviet and Cuban film called uh, Yo Soy uh, Cuba or I Am Cuba. Uh, made in 1964 and it is one of the most beautiful tracking shots you'll ever seen it's so long and so intricate that it's just mind-blowing like i'll have have to send you a clip of it because it's it's amazing but i mean the movie's great too and uh it's just it's fantastic it's one of the cool like that 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 one and this one are like my two favorite tracking shots of all time like i think two of the best um i would put them up i love tracking shots i encourage them you know to an extent i think some people get a little little carried away with them there's a fine line. I, I think I don't I need think, a whole movie that's a tracking shot, you know. No, I, I think it can work very well, and especially of of the era, like especially like a movie like this. It's like when a lot of films aren't really doing what they're doing, and it and it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It really it had a to reason it. to be a tracking shot, right. where it, instead of it's just like it wouldn't it be cool if it was exactly. You know, you want to follow that bomb. I think the song "I Found a Reason" by The Velvet Underground. I think is about that. I think I think I found a reason was I found a reason to use a tracking shot and, and a touch of evil. You feel good about that one, Dan? I was trying, but I don't know if it really landed as as well as I hoped. But 
I wanted to work it in. It felt right. Okay. It's all about a feeling, right? Sometimes I have them. I think that's what the song More Than a Feeling by Boston was about. <laughs> it was. How, how do you like a taste of your own medicine? I, I deserve that. But Boston, Velvet Underground, yeah, like they're one and the same. They really are. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was all right. Well, well done, sir. You brought it back together. You're back on my good side. Thank you. Thank you. What, what else you got to say about this tracking shot and this whole intro that like, there's an explosion it, it kills people. People are dead, Dan. I think it's funny that uh, Charlton Heston... That is funny, yes. Well, no, not that. The, that Charlton Heston, he instantly like springs into action. Like He's just like, all you know, the plans that I'm going to get, they're, they're like, oh, we're supposed to go on our honeymoon, we're going to get chocolate officer. soda. But he instantly jumps into action. It's like, he's like, oh, everything. He's like, I have to immediately go in. It's like, dude, settle down. Like, you can figure out what it is, but you, it just seems, I don't know, it just seemed funny to me, like how he just like, He's Charlton Heston. That's how he works. That's true. You know, he said that his one one regret of this movie is not that he played a Mexican. Mm. It's that he didn't do the accent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, I don't know. He said it was one of the biggest mistakes he ever made as an actor. You know, it was probably not a mistake. I think that was, thank God he didn't do the accent. It would have been, could, yeah. You could try to just forget it. He never looks Mexican, but it's just, it, sometimes it's just not distracting, which is good. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you know what? It, it's probably his best role is his, his cameo in Wayne's World 2. That, see, that's, you know, that's a moment. <laughs> not Planet of the Apes, Wayne's World 2. No, not at all. As much as I love Planet of the Apes, I love all the Planet of the Apes movies, especially the first one. No, definitely his cameo in that bit part because it lands so perfectly in that movie. You think like, Mike Myers had to join the NRA to get him in that? I was thinking about that. It's interesting that like of all the actors that have like to, to come in there, like Charlton Heston, but I think that's what makes it funny. Like, I, I think that really is what makes it funny. Just like Charlton Heston's such a baffling man, you know, like he really, sometimes he just seems like insanely likable and other times just like the most vile person yes, of all time. Yes. He's very, very, very polarizing for sure. And you know, yes. even in, in and of himself. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. That's these are great ways to put it. Yeah. You may not have faded away yet. We may still have hope. Who knows what I'm going to say? In how you, how you feeling, Dan? I'm going to be honest. I am feeling a little bit weird. I'm, feeling, I'm definitely feeling like... We just started the movie. <laughs> little, little out of it, a little, little tired, a little fatigued. You think you can make it through this? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna for our listeners. I'm gonna make it through. <laughs> I can't. I can't necessarily. They might be begging us not to say, "Please just re-record this episode." Well, no, not even. I I think it's just like it, it could be interesting documentation of of my my descent into <laughs> into whatever this uh, these symptoms are. But I just stay no. on top of you. What happens next in the plot, Dan? Um. Yeah, you're really gonna test my memory now. So it creates a big stir, obviously, that this car explodes and like, you know, ends up on its side. And then you got all these people around. They've got the coroner. They've got, you know, obviously police are all there. They bring, they bring in his daughter like instantly to like identify the buys, which is like, it seems ridiculous to me that they're just like, you got this flaming car here and his dad and this other woman are, are basically burned up and, and killed. And then they immediately gotta like, get them before the features. Exactly, right? you gotta identify. identify and she's right there. Dad. You know why not? Yeah, but, but then you also get introduced to um, to Orson Welles' character, who I know he has a lot of makeup and a lot of stuff. Is but he does look like a mess in this movie. Like he he just looks like incredible a mess. makeup job for the time I and mean, just how effective it is. And 
I mean, you wonder how much of that is because that's what he developed into later on in life, mm -hmm. that everyone is so willing to believe that that is him, because I mean, it's, it's so well done. Well, there was that anecdote in that, in that documentary, I think, I think your buddy Peter mentioned the story, I think it was him, where he said one night he was having a party, Orson Welles back at his place, and he having a bunch of like the... You have to tell this story like you're Bogdanovich, so that way you can steal his story that he stole from Orson Welles. Okay, well, first I should probably get some cool sunglasses or something, I don't know, like the little like tinted lenses or something. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I'm trying to remember how he how he told. But basically, Wells was having a party one night during the, the shooting of the film, and he didn't have enough time to get out of costume or makeup, so he just arrived at the party as the detective Quinlan, and uh, he, Hank uh, Quinlan. Yeah, Hank Quinlan, and he uh, he shows up. He's got like you know the Warners are there. You got the Goldwins are there. Like a bunch of like the series exec, and a lot of them hadn't seen him in like ten years. So they thought it, that was just how he looked because he looked so re, you know, realistic. And, it, and everybody would walk up and say, oh, you look great, Orson. You look fantastic. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's such a Hollywood thing to do that like no matter how, you know, what state he was actually in, they were all just kind of almost like placating him a little bit saying, oh, you look great, blah, blah, blah. Even though he he looks like, like a fucking pile. You yeah, can he, smell him through the TV. Yeah, he looks, yeah, he looks pretty. Right now he's just all hopped up on chocolate bars, but that'll develop throughout. Yeah. And he'll 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 descend into back into uh, into some alcohol, uh, which he had, I guess it sound they made it sound like he had kind of gotten off it for a while, but then he he was back on. Yes, as we'll get to. I would say I prefer Citizen Kane over this movie, but I think this is my favorite performance of Orson Welles. I'm going to admit something to you: I've never seen Citizen Kane. As much it's of a, a film buff I am, and that's always like, oh, you know, Citizen Kane, blah blah blah. I think I've just always kind of avoided it for that reason. And the moment you told me you'd never seen any of the Bill and Ted's is when I knew you've never seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> I'm, One I'm, just naturally leads to the other. Hmm. You never made, I never made that parallel. I, all I mean is you've never been able to shock me since that day because it was, as soon as that, I was like, wow, I would totally have expected you to have seen those. Mm -hmm. So now here we are. And uh, you should see Citizen Kane. It's, it's a great time. I will. I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely been on the, the long time list and just never got around to seeing it, but I'll, I'll see it eventually. You should, because we love this movie. Mm -hmm. I'd say we both like Lady from Shanghai. We recognize it's, it's yeah. merit. Yeah, um, I, I like Orson Welles. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. yeah. You know. I just had finished watching Taxi. As I've mentioned, I've been watching mm -hmm. Taxi. And um, Orson Welles had some talk show at one point, and he had Andy Kaufman on, and all he does is ask him questions about Taxi. It was great, so I had to Add that to my viewing to close out Taxi. Or Orson Welles, because he, he created Taxi, right? He might as well have with how much he was gushing over Taxi and how much he loved it and recognized it. Just especially when you like something and then you, you hear Orson Welles be like, yeah, I like it too. You're like, wow, Taxi's great. I say like a little little validation for you. Because well, it just Wells seems like it. he didn't like anything. Yeah. But who knows? He loved everything. He certainly loved a drink or two and a sandwich. Who doesn't? I love, yeah. I, lo I, lo I love sandwiches. Love a good sandwich. Did you celebrate your shot with the sandwich afterwards? No, I, I ate before. I ate before I, I, I went and got it. What'd you eat? What, what was your last meal? I feel like I'm too embarrassed to say it, so I'm not gonna say. Wow! It. All right. Because <laughs> it because it sounds really terrible, and I don't want to say it out loud. But is um, it like is it uh, the fast food variety? No, no, no. It's just like complete, just like garbage food, like lying around the house. Oh, house garbage is okay. Yeah. All right. You had some Skittles. 
<laughs> I, I put some Skittles into a bowl of uh, Captain Crunch. Mm-mm-mm. You know. Was it cereal? Cereal's okay. No, it wasn't cereal. No. Okay. I mean, you did say Captain Crunch like you weren't embarrassed by it. So. All right. Maybe so I'll, 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 oh, okay. I'll, I'll admit it. Just cause, but it I was about terrible. to say, maybe off podcast, but you know what, folks? We got them. What, right, do, you got? So what do you I, got for us? I, I made two uh, <laughs> super pretzels uh, in the microwave. Uh-huh. And I made, this sounds, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I was I, okay I, with the super pretzels. Yeah, I'm wondering what's coming. I made I made my own like microwave nachos basically where I took a bunch of tortilla chips and then put a bunch of mozzarella and I had some leftover pepperoni slices and then just made kind of like a pepperoni and mozzarella bowl of, of nachos. <laughs> That's what I ate. All right. I don't know. I just wanted something different and, and I, it's, it just sounds like such like a terrible. You like, often do pepperoni and nachos? No, no. I just. I Would just you do it again? It. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I just wanted something just random, and I don't know. I just wanted something. Well, I feel like you should just left them to the side and just munched on some pepperonis, and then eat some nachos separately. Yeah, I guess I could have done that. I don't know. I don't know how well tortilla and pepperoni interact. You know. I will say this from experience that they interacted pretty well. I think better better than you would expect. Well, I just told you my expectations, so there you go. And you just told me your experience, so. Yes. So Welcome try to it. the show. Yes, try, try it. it. We're going to do our own uh, out of the podcast recipes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give them good, uh, like, noir names and stuff like that. It's, it just sounds like a bad, like, college meal. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it seems like such like a dorm room, like, oh, making nachos. So. Mi- mi- microwave nachos. Microwave nachos, yeah, definitely. I'm a big fan of the oven. Yeah. Like a broil. You fuck with the broil ever? I'm a terrible cook. I can't cook anything. I'm so bad okay. with it. I mean, I'm only going to believe that based off the story you just told me. Yeah, and that's why I didn't want to say this story. I could you want me to edit this out, Dan? Let me think. I'll think about it. Give me Can some you time. give me a sound bite of something that you want the people to think that you sure. ate? What do you got? I ate lasagna. What do you I don't know why I thought of lasagna, but that was my first thought. So Because you're fucking Garfield, man. I am. And I'm starting to lose my I'm starting to lose my brain here, so. <laughs> I won't. What happens next? Uh, this is terrible. I, 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 I do not. I do not I want offered, to. Exp- I offered to move this podcast up. It's fine. No. I want, I, I want the record show that I was cooperative. Yes. Okay. No, I appreciate it. No, it's fine. So um, his daughter sees the body. Yes. And we've met Orson Welles. And Orson Welles immediately thinks that the daughter was secretly married to this uh, Sanchez, who was a young mm. Mexican. So he immediately says, I think that's the prime suspect. Mm. And so they, they actually go and check out his apartment, Sanchez's apartment, and Quinlan's partner, Pete Menzies, mm. does a great job in this. Yes. As the, as the partner, especially in this cut, as we learned that there were some differences with takes that they used, close-ups that just altered some of the, his effectiveness. Uh, Menzies, he finds two sticks of dynamite in a shoebox, but earlier Vargas had act- used the, the bathroom, knocked over the shoebox that was just there, but had nothing in it. <laughs> just an empty shoebox in the bathroom. Yeah, a lot, a lot of confusion of A, there's a shoebox, it's empty, B, that's how they find dynamite later. Like, who puts dynamite in a shoebox in a, in a bathroom? It's a, it was a good fit. Once you saw it, you know, it looked well presented. Yeah. Two sticks of dynamite, which was exactly the amount of sticks needed to be found, because that's th- what was stolen from a construction site. I think we should mention, uh, you know, we right, should, Dan. 
I think right after the, the car crash, we should talk about, there's just a lot of back and forth between like where Vargas is kind of going around. He's getting embroiled in this. And, and, you know, he's also about to be in this like litigation for this uh, basically like, I guess it's like, it's like a, a mobster, gangster, right? like, yeah, the mobster. Yeah. And he, uh, in the meantime, his the wife, Grandi, Grande, Grande, yeah. yeah. His wife played by Janet Lee. She gets kind of like, I guess like, I wouldn't say she was like kidnapped, but kind of like taken away by these, these kind of like hoodlum type characters. Well, immediately, even from the beginning, they're trying to talk to her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uncle, uncle Joe or whatever. Uncle uh, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's he, the brother of the man who is Vargas has been investigating. Right. And he's trying to put the, put the screws to her a little bit as far as trying to, I guess, trying to like intimidate her a little bit, I guess, to get from her over to Vargas, I guess, to try to affect how it's going to play out with the, the litigation. Which and, she is not into. And there's some great scenes where they're trying to terrify her, where they're like flashing the flashlight into the, the hotel, I guess. Yes, yes. That was very spooky. Yeah, no, I, I like that scene. The whole movie just has like a otherworldliness to it. I think a lot of it does. And I think a lot of it has to do with the camera angles because a lot of the camera angles are done from almost like ground level. Like it, it, everything's like, it looks like you're looking up. Like mm-hmm. if you notice when you're watching it, a lot of what you're seeing, it's kind of like this angle where everyone looks kind of really big and like menacing because the yeah. way the camera looks, it, it, it's kind of looking up at them. And I think and so really much of it is just at fact, night yeah. and is in, you know, it's, uh, they film this in Venice, California to make it look like Mexico because it was a little more run down. Right, more like a border kind of town. Yeah, and um, um, and so like a lot of it takes place, you know, in, in just the same area. And, I don't know, it's, it's just very great. But yeah, eventually they take her. They just straight up, well, eventually she gets driven to the uh, hotel. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Yes, they, they, t- I, they, they try to get her out of uh, the town because, I mean, Vargas is going to move on as well, but they're trying to get her out of the area, I guess, of, of danger or whatever's going on in the town at the time. And she, cause she eventually wants to leave. I think like she kind of, she's kind of torn because she wants to leave cause it's like their honeymoon. They want to get out, but also like they want to protect her, I think too. So they take her out to this kind of secluded hotel in the middle of nowhere. Cause like they said, it's like off season, not a lot, a lot of hotels are open. So they take her to this secluded hotel. And in the midst of that, it's interesting cause like Vargas is driving her and then he meets up with like a bunch of the other cops and they try to basically like they switch cars. So he kind of goes in the car with the cops because they say, hey, we need you for something. And then uh, mm-hmm. the sergeant drives and actually Grandy is following them and he ends up getting arrested by the sergeant when he gets to the hotel. Yes. By the time he gets to the hotel, roughly they stop off and, and you kind of arrest him. So you're like, why is this guy following him? That's really shady. It's very shady. Shut up. Get in that car. What about my car? You can leave it here. What, here? In the middle of nowhere? You're coming with me. On what charge? I don't know yet. That's for Captain Quillen to decide. Well, what was Grandy doing way out here? Driving. He was following us in his yeah, car. driving alone. Oh, well, where are my bags? We've already put them by your cabin, Mr. Vargas. There it is. The last one, number seven. If you should want to change, just phone the man at the desk. Off-season like this, I reckon you're about the only one staying here. <laughs> so... Yes, she ends up at the hotel, and then, of course, yeah, we, as we were saying, there's the search of Sanchez's apartment, and this is when Vargas starts to suspect Quinlan of tampering with evidence. Yeah, planting it. Planting evidence, yeah. and he, he thinks he may have been doing this the whole time. I guess we should also mention that the way this kind of all ties together is that, so Sanchez, he is, in, is, is dating and is in love with the daughter 
of the guy that dies in the uh, you know, the explosion. So basically what happened was a week or so before the explosion, he was actually working at the construction site that that guy owned. It's like, was it Link, Linkar or whatever his name is? I don't know mm-hmm. how to pass his name. Yeah. So he was fired from that job. So they thought, oh, he had a motive. A, they, they thought he would, if they're trying to basically rub him out to get them any kind of money from him, any inheritance. And they said there's two sticks of dynamite missing from the, the work site. Yes. Because um, they visited the work site. So they kind of had almost like this kind of like setup where they thought, oh, well, it's two sticks of dynamite. It, you know, he used to work for him. He's dating his daughter. Like it was all, they were kind of like piecing this all together of saying like, this is the person that committed the crime. They're basically trying to frame him in, into this. But he's saying he's wearing his innocence, saying I had nothing to do with it. Him doing that gets Vargas to stick around and make sure he gets a fair shake. Yeah. Which he gets accused of just being, you know, sticking with his fellow Mexicans. But maybe he has intuition, Orson Welles. It's yeah, not it's like just his, you. His game leg. Yeah, not just your game leg. Yeah, we all have canes this time, citizen. I um, like Orson Welles' performance in this is pretty awesome. I, I it's think, so like, awesome. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously he's like such a big part of the film, but I, I think he's probably my favorite performance throughout the film. Like I think mm-hmm. there's just so many facets to it. I think he plays it really well. Um, oh, he's such a piece of shit. Yeah, it's, but it's in like an awesome way in the context of the movie. I think it's just because it really makes it interesting, I think. Very um, much so. No, you're just, you're just, your eyes are glued to him every time he's in mm-hmm. a scene. It's right. very good. Good stuff. And he eventually gets caught up with Grande as well. Yes. He wants to help strike a deal with Quinlan. Say, hey, let's, we got to discredit Vargas. Now he's both of our trouble. Yeah, thorn, thorns in both of our sides. Exactly. They're talking about this at a bar. And he, the whole time, Orson Welles has been saying how he doesn't drink. Yeah. He used to drink. He doesn't anymore. He also, there's a backstory with his wife had died and she had been strangled. And he, he says that's the best way to kill someone. Mm-hmm. Because he can get away with it. Can't leave fingerprints on a string, he says. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe back then. They didn't have the type of forensics. Uh, that now. <laughs> well, maybe his wife's murder would have been solved then, Dan. Yeah. If only it was a little later. Or only they lived a little later. So, yeah, he's that's kind of informed his current state of being. <laughs> yes. So yes, he is said how he doesn't drink anymore. There's also, there was some investigate. We're glossing over some stuff and we'll try to come back to it when we can. It, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot movie. of interconnecting yeah. stories. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be easy to go back and forth. Well, ultimately yeah, yeah. what happens is, you know, with, with Janet Lee, she's in that hotel that we just mentioned. Well, that- yeah, we got that covered too, but I, I just want to even give this whole backstory of, so yeah. there's some investigation going on. Um, they end up in a, a strip club where you get, Jaja Gabor for two seconds. Yes. Cameo. And then you also end up at a psychic mm-hmm. across the street, you know, and uh, who also <laughs> offers chili. I'm yes. really, really taken with that. You've been cooking at this hour? Just cleaning up. Oh. Have you forgotten your old friend? I told you we were closed. I'm Hank Quinlan. I didn't recognize you. You should lay out those candy bars. Uh, it's either the candy or the hooch. I must say, I wish it was your chili I was getting fat on. Anyway, you're sure looking good. You're a mess, honey. Yeah. 
being old, it sure brings back memories. The customers go for it. It's old, it's new. You got the television, too. We run movies. What can I offer you? You haven't heard anything about that bomb, have you? That happened on your side of the border. In a place like this, you hear things. I heard the explosion. Well, well this case is over. I must come around some night and sample some of your chili. Better be careful. Maybe too hot for you. Played by Marlena Dietrich, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Who was Orson Welles' old friend way, way back when. Yes. And she was very happy to do this. And she's great in this. Yeah, she's really good. She's really good. I mean, especially at the end, she deals the movie. Well, there was, a, there was like also a, an anecdote about how when they were showing the dailies to some of the, the studio execs, they're like, is that Marlena Dietrich? And he's like, yeah. He's like, where did she come from? Like, they were just totally like, like, what's she doing in this movie? Like, it was just, supposed to be an uncredited role, and yeah. she, she took very little money for it. But then once she was, they insisted on crediting her, the Screen Actors Guild, of course, got a little more scratch. Yeah. So, yeah, but they had known each other because he would end up drunk there all the time. And then so he, when he is there, says, yeah, I, just the candy bars I eat now. So I just wanted to give context of the, there's been a lot so far that has shown that he doesn't drink anymore because when he's at the bar with Grande, and he says, I don't drink anymore. And it's very natural. Obviously, he's already taken a drink and he's holding holding a shot. It's it's mm-hmm. very great. He just he didn't even realize that he had fallen back into it. And then yeah. you just see him go full tilt, like, all right, it's over from here. Yeah. Let's, Slippery let's, slope. Do, let's do what we got to do. He doesn't want coffee either. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't want that big cup of coffee. And Vargas, he's suspicious of this too. And he makes friends with the district attorney's assistant, Al Schwartz. So they're looking into some of his past cases and they're noticing that there's a threat, common thread of everyone saying that they didn't do it. Yeah. And also at the hotel, Janet Lee is there. Janet Lee is so great in this. Um, She doesn't get to do enough, but what she, what she does is great and essential. She definitely gets noticed and she had actually broke her arm before filming. She, they still worked around it. And in scenes where they just couldn't like in the, the motel scene, they remove the cast, film the shot, and then put it back on. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. They, like taped it back on. Taped it back on. And you have Dennis Weaver as the hotel manager. Who's a ridiculous. Like, he is. He's so ridiculous in this movie. He was from Gunsmoke, famously. Yeah. And he encouraged him just to improvise his role and, and to, to have fun with it. Well, and apparently he didn't want to, he actually turned the movie down at first. And Charlton Heston called him up and was like, like, dude, you're gonna pass up on working with Orson Welles? He's like, just do it. Like, and he like thought about it. He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't want to. I don't want to miss out working with Orson Welles. And and yeah, it ended up working out because yeah, I mean, for the character, it works really well. I mean, he's he's kind of annoying to be honest, but he is. Um, but he's, he's frustrating. But I think it works well. He's never there too much where you're like overwhelmingly annoyed right. by him. You're just like, ah, oh, this fucking guy again. You he's, know? Yeah, exactly. But he's the night the night guy. He's the night guy. He will definitely make sure that that's apparent and. There's another party that ends up coming to the, they, they say that they're going to be, the night guy gets a call that says, hey, you can just head off. Or there's a, there's a day guy going. He actually says, I'm not going to stick, wait and stick around for him. He, you know, yeah. I do. It's going to be I, a new day guy. Cause normally, I mean, obviously he's expecting a certain, I mean, I guess I'm sure he knows the, who the day guy is. But he's like, no, he's, 
he's getting relieved by some other guys coming in. Yes. And, and, and this is Grande's, we find out, he nephew. owns the, the motel as yeah. well. And Grande's nephew is going to be the new day guy. I mean, I, I, he's not implicit that he is, but he comes and he has a whole gang of people with him. Yeah. And they're making a lot of noise. This fucking radio that you just cannot turn off from your room for some reason. Yeah. One person's listening to it. You're all listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're playing DJ in the, in the office, you know, somebody, you know, whoever the day guy is, the night guy is, you're, you're the DJ, you're playing the music for everybody. So eventually they make it over to Janet Lee and they grab her. It looks like they're all about to just straight up gang assault her. Very horrific. And one of the people in the gang is Oscar winner, Mercedes McCambridge. And she was actually only in the movie because she was having lunch with Orson Welles. And he said, eh, come on in for a scene. Yeah, why not? Wear a leather jacket and cut your hair. But she's the one who says, well, let me stay. I want to watch. Which is so eerie and spooky. And yeah, that scene was very effective. And it was right. very strange watching the special features with the trailer. And it was like, that's the first thing they show. Oh, wow. It was, they were very sensitive. You'd think that would be so controversial, but that was one of the things they didn't have too much trouble with i think it plays it plays well because it's you don't really know i mean you kind of have to assume what happens and and you you learn a little bit i mean they basically try to plant and try to set her up that she's like a drug user and 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 they talk about it they got marijuana roaches and and heroin nearby as well but they just blew the smoke on her and they gave her whatever truth serum is and i think it was sodium pentothal yeah Yeah, exactly which just kind of made her sleepy the whole time right and so then they take her to a motel, a different motel. <laughs> in, 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 in like the, the border town, yeah. Exactly. And she's- Grande, Grande's and, place, he's kind of got it. She's, she's groggy at Grande's. Is that going to be the, <laughs> is that the sequel? Like the Weekend at Bernie's sequel? The same plot. <laughs> they get uh, the corpses of the bombed couple from the beginning and they do voodoo dances. It's a great time. Grande is in there with Quinlan and they're discussing everything. And Quinlan is, he's he's- already gone he strangles grande in an attempt to frame janet lee because he's been also been trying to play them off like oh yeah they're all a drugged up couple so it's very important that drugs were were a part of it yeah so he leaves thinking that everything went well cops pick up his wife the vice squad janet lee you have the vice squad and it's not looking good but orson wells made a mistake he left his cane behind yep which he has a tendency to do because, and and because it's interesting because earlier in the film, Sergeant, uh, that when he gets in the car to take Janet Lee to the hotel, he's walking off. He's like, "Oh wait, I have his cane." Like it seems like he always kind of misplaces it and ends up ends up getting him. He's very forgetful, and now yeah. that he's drunk, it's just it's worse. He yeah, he doesn't have a chance. I don't know if we pass it. I think we may have. Obviously, there's a chance of that. But there's a scene with Vargas and um, Schwartz, the. the the assistant uh, turn, district attorney's assistant, mm-hmm. they're in a convertible driving and they're actually, this is the first movie where someone's actually driving and they're shooting dialogue instead of it being a projection screen. They blocked off an entire alley. Yeah. You see the two of them speeding. You see Charlton Heston just looking ahead. You know, you're not making that usual complaint where you're like, why aren't you looking at the fucking road? Uh, if you're yeah. actually driving, you're looking at the road. Yeah. Um, and there was so much equipment in the car that they couldn't fit any of the other crew in there. So they actually had Charlton Heston and the, the other actor doing the sound and the, the action. It play, And it plays well, too. I mean, it, looks, it plays it looks, very. It, it, looks, looks, so it looks really cool. good. Yeah. Way to go, Orson Welles. I think you're going to be a director of note. I think you're on to something. You're on to something there. 
and I don't just mean the fat makeup that you would transform yourself into, but maybe you saw that and was like, I, I like the way that looks. That's, that's a guy to be. It's very realistic. It, it really is. Watching it, you're just like, you can't believe it almost. It kind of tricks you out because you think, because you know what he looks like later on. Like now, you know, in hindsight, you're like, oh, maybe that was just like, yeah, you know, he's, you know, that was when he started kind of going into a little bit more of a deterioration in his life. But no, it's just, it's all makeup and padding and, and stuff. He should just said it was always the case. Yep. That's what I'm telling people about myself. Yeah. D- during these declining years. Oh boy. Love that makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that makeup. My pandemic padding. Vargas goes looking for his wife. He, he goes to the bar where the gang is and he, he beats them up. They're not being cooperative, destroys the bar. But then he's informed that Susie's been arrested for murder. She's still pretty out of it. And also fun fact, uh, Janet Lee and Orson Welles only had one scene together in the entire film, mm-hmm. which is very crazy because Janet Lee was you know, so gushy about Orson Welles, but you know, she yeah. did work with him, I guess just, he was always there as a director, but, right. um, and she was passed out and unconscious during that one scene yeah. together. <laughs> so they didn't yeah, even get to yeah. interact, uh, which is just funny, but it, it seemed like they maintained a closeness. I know she was at his funeral as was Charlton Heston. Oh, wow. They, they all have great love for this project. In fact, uh, Charlton Heston was the b- person who had the 58-page memo that the re-edit was done from. So it was because of him that this all came into effect. Yeah, it seemed like a, a very good experience for all of them. Like as, as, like, I'm as, sure it yeah. felt like, like a, just a missed opportunity because they all made something that they loved and believed in. And then once they saw it, I'm sure you could liken it today to like the Snyder Cut of Justice League, right? <laughs> I'm bringing I mean, it full circle, Dan. Yeah, I mean... I can't really speak on a Snyder cut, but I'm not saying of quality, but just of something where he's like, you know, you made something, and then what was released was so different. Different, yeah, that's no, true. Thank you. I thought it, I thought it was very topical. It is very topical. <laughs> you can't deny its topicality. <laughs> so yeah, he he's in the the police station, and this this is where he appeals to Menzies, Pete Menzies. Yep. And Menzies knows, he's like, yeah, he's slipping. He left the cane there. I know he murdered her, that yeah. guy. We got to get him. So they set up a wire, mm-hmm. just an old 50s wire, and it's great. With a gigantic recording system. Uh, With that, no that, headphones. Yeah, that Sean Heston yeah, has a speaker. And, and basically, they're, they're kind of walking amongst these like oil rigs. Yeah, beautiful near, like, shots of these, yeah. Yeah, these crazy oil rigs. And it's very frantic. It's going back and forth. Heston's and, following uh, him to get the, you know, he's got, he has an antenna, so he has to stay within a certain amount of. Yeah, but you know, he, he's losing them sometimes, yeah. but he, he's always just, you know, they've got great shots where he's always like in the background, just trying to get that antenna just right. Mm. And trying to uh, trap him into, into spilling the beans. Spilling the beans. And, um, and Menzies gets it. I mean, he's, he's getting it. Quinlan is happy to talk. He's not playing hardball too much. And they're going over this very long bridge and Heston's in the water Heston's in the water and it creates this echo effect which is very great and that's when Orson Welles gets hip to this whole operation hey are you carrying a bug for him a microphone don't lie to me all right all right you better give me that where is he where is he how did you figure the frame Vargas would framed who's been framed where is he Vargas where is he? Hank, look, Hank. I'm talking to Vargas now. Vargas, you hear me? Yeah, which is which is interesting because he, I mean, they're playing him. He's playing it as he's he's still pretty inebriated, 
Yeah. Um, so he's kind of like lumbering along still. I mean, he's also got the, the bad leg, but he's, and he's still like at least cognizant enough that he's realizing like, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. What's this echo that's happening? And, and, and then some, some, some mayhem mixing. A lot of gunfire. Yeah. Uh, the gun that Charlton Heston had had and had gone missing. Yes. Sorry to leave that fun fact out. Very essential, I'm sure. Yes. Quinlan shoots Menzies. Long-time friends. I mean, long-time friends. friends. Yep. It's just classic. Should not be drunk with a gun. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder how we made it through the Wild West, Tom. Yeah, really. You're out, you're just out uh, having a good time with one of your best friends in the world. You have a couple. You get into one disagreement. You wake up the next day like, oh my god, I killed Dan. Like, yeah, I love Dan. Why would I have done that? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, it's, it's it's scary to think about, honestly. It very much is. They guns and and drinking do not mix. Uh, as I, far I as think that's probably why go. they probably why they call it the Wild West. That's why. Yeah. Pretty wild. <laughs> it's pretty west. It's true. <laughs> It was wild, and, and, and geographically, it happened, yes, mostly in the West, yes. So, he's about, Quinlan is about to shoot Vargas. Menzies gets one last one in, and when we get Schwartz comes on the scene and says, hey, you know, <laughs> actually, Sanchez did do it. He confessed to the crime, so we didn't need to plant evidence after all. Yes, after all that, pretty crazy. And that's it, you know? Oh, well, everyone's reunited. No one's going to prison. Anyone who was bad is dead, and you know, we lost a good guy too. And then Tanya shows up, our, mm-hmm. our old friend, and she says the best line of the movie. Isn't somebody going to come and take him away? Yeah, in just a few minutes. You really liked him, didn't you? The cop did. The one who killed him. He loved him. Well, Hank was a great detective, all right. And a lousy cop. Is that all you have to say for him? He was some kind of a man. What does it matter what you say about people? Goodbye, Tanner. Adios. It's interesting that, yeah, she gets the last line uh, in in this film because her role is not necessarily like a huge role by any stretch. But, yeah, I think it's... I think it's like it really is the the locations and the camera angles. I think it, it it so adds the atmosphere of this movie. Like like the dynamic of this movie. I think a lot of it rests on this that. movie's got atmosphere like a motherfucker. Yeah, it's just it's just really good. It is a little bit long, but it doesn't bother me. But it did feel a little bit long towards the end. But it is it's just I don't want to say it's like the most art artsy film noir, but it's definitely up there. Like as far as like from a technical, it's standpoint. up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that lady from Shanghai, I wonder if they uh, have any similarities. But I would say I took a nap before watching this, anticipating it, because I always get sleepy. Mm. Because it is it is a bit long. But if you think about it, I can't imagine what you would take out. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think, yeah, it makes sense. And it's sense. not that anything is like a bad scene or anything runs too long. I think it, it just, there's a lot going on. It's not even like a confusing plot, but it's just, it's very a dense plot in a weird way. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think it, it takes a long time to kind of really. And Orson Welles had actually yeah. said his goal with the film was to infuriate the audience with the plot in much the same way that Howard Hawks did with The Big Sleep. They do talk about that a lot, just like how, how confusing Big Sleep is in comparison, which, yeah, maybe the most confusing movie. We'll get to that. Which, yeah, I can't wait because I, I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've seen that so many times that 
I think I finally get it. I won't go too deep into it, but I think after many, 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 many watches, I think oh, I finally get it. I'm excited to get to it. Do we even have big sleep scheduled? I don't think we do. I think we do. I think we it don't. is. I think it's on the long. We don't. No, we got Maltese Falcon. Oh, that's right. Well, we should put Big Sleep on there. We'll get to it. We got so many still coming up. I think you're a little scared. It's not, I'm, I'm detecting that you might be a little not scared. scared I'm just lazy because I got to like create a whole new thing on the dock. Yeah, that's, that's true. All. That's all. If it was literally like I could just hit enter and do another line, I would do it. But It's not that easy, folks. I'll write down right now the Big Sleep. I will add it post-episode. I'll stop slowing down the works. <laughs> but yeah watch touch of evil yes definitely it's a, it's a way better movie than this fucking episode was <laughs> this is a bad episode dude well if we're gonna blame anyone we can blame me i don't want to blame anyone i blame i it, the problem is also it's sort of the movie um and just to be because like we were just intricate. saying because it is so dense and intricate and yeah it, it's it's a tough one to talk about other than just be like, oh my God, like the, the shots, the tracking shot and everything. Yeah. But getting into the nitty gritty, it's, it's tough. But yeah. Well, I think that's what it is. I think, I think if we really spent time going almost minute by minute of, of the little minutia of the film, like mm-hmm. this would be like a, a four hour episode. Easily. Absolutely. Like, like, you know what I mean? I think, I think that's the issue. And, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It is a really great movie, but there's just a lot that you kind of just have to experience. I think we kind of went over we kind of glossed over it and just said like, Hey, this is basically what happened. But ultimately this is one, I feel like it is an instance where you kind of just be like, Hey, Cause there's a lot of watch the movie, just watch the movie and just watch it. Cause there's a lot of side characters and side moments that um, are really effective. That is just, it's tough to pontificate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's so much little, so many little things in this movie, but it's good. It's all good. I, I think it's, I would highly recommend it still. It's a great movie. Yeah, and it's also a tough movie where, again, if you have your second vaccination shot, this is the one we did. Yes, I was saying, like, yeah, I'm thinking about it now. It's like, wow, we really picked a doozy. Uh, it was weird because at first I'm like, oh, this will be perfect because we know it well enough and, and such. But, yeah, actually being confronted with having to, to cover it. I don't know. What do you think would have been? A, we should have done Roadhouse, the, the crazy one on <laughs> Maybe. This. Well, definitely not this or Big Sleep. So at least we didn't do Big Sleep. I think that would have probably been a lot more Someone's about to take a Big Sleep after this fucking episode. You look exhausted. Yeah, I think I will. I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably I appreciate this sneak preview getting to watch it live in front of me, though, before I get my second shot in a a few weeks here. Yeah, so now we're about, what, like a little over two and a half hours. So if I think that's, I think you can do it. I think knowing, knowing that, having that bit. Yeah, it looks like by the time I have to park, I'm just going to be like, let's just fucking put this car away and let me get to bed already. Exactly, yeah. Hopefully it'll be an okay time by then. Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't have any of the symptoms. Well, I'm excited. I know. I hope that too. I hope uh, I'm a real rock star. But I'm looking at you. I'm looking at this this shining example of a person. And if you can't take it, I don't know what hope I've got. Hey, man, I will say this. You know, I, I... Please do. I, I am committed enough that I wanted to do the, I still wanted to carry on with the episode. I, I think it, it's still something that I wanted to do. I wanted to stay on track and make sure we, we, we talk about this film. And like I said, I think even if we didn't get into kind of the, the nitpicking or the details of every specific thing in this movie is as I think as complex as it could, could be, as far as the amount of plot points that go on and the little character interactions, like I said, I think it still works in the sense that you should just watch it. You just, you just kind of have to experience the nuances of the characters and how they interact. 
I think I think it's it's hard say, to convey that in words too. Take our word for it. Don't take our words for it. Yes, <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's great. You know what the fuck could we have done? We, we, we gave you some good digressions. There's there's episodes that are gonna be like really getting to touch of evil and camera lenses and, and and so forth. I know there's some aspect ratio stuff with the different versions. I'm sure people really get into that and they the artisanalness of the, of the movie. But you know what? That ain't us. A couple of jalopies over here. Leave us alone. But leave us alone for one week and come back and join us for 1953's Niagara starring Marilyn Monroe. Take me, take me in your arms. She sang of love just as she lived for love. Like a Lorelei flaunting her charms as she lured men on and on to their eternal destruction. And her own husband was no exception. It's getting late. Hand me my slip. I hate to move when we have a fight. Never want to leave your side. <laughs> Get me some orange juice, Georgie. <laughs> it's Marilyn Monroe skyrocketing to new dramatic heights. When a man took her loveliness in his arms, he took his life in his hands. Joseph Cotton, helpless in her siren spell. Jean Peters, caught in the destructive whirlpool of another's deceit. And parading around, showing herself off in that dress. Cut down so low in front you could see her kneecaps. She's a pretty girl. Why hide it? Don't worry about that. She'd like to wear that dress where everybody could see her, right in the middle of the Yankee Stadium. Smell like a dime store. I know what that means. Sure. I'm meeting somebody. Just anybody handy, as long as he's a man. But she could never be his, nor any man's, completely. And that thought whipped him into a frenzy that makes the screen thunder with unparalleled suspense. Hello? Hello? Please? I am looking forward to this one. I've, this is one that I, has been on my radar for a long time and I've never seen. Same. And I'm excited to see... A, more Marilyn Monroe movies. I've, I've, we'll get can't, into it. Can't have, enough. Seen. Yeah. can't have enough. Can't have enough Marilyn Monroe. For her and noir, I was hoping, I was, I was so glad to see that those worlds collided. Well, she's in Asphalt Jungle too. It's one of her first roles, which is another one I hope we get to at some point. I think we will. We, I'm sure we will. I, I think it's actually, that is on the list. So. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. That's coming. That's like one of my all time personal favorites. So that one I was going to, I was going to save this for the next episode, but I'll, I'll spoil it now. Got the Niagara Blu-ray here in preparation. This thing is ugly. This is an ugly graphic design. I got the same exact one, and I thought the same exact thing. I'm not even joking. I looked at it, and I was just like, Suck. everything about just it is just like... sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I, I, I like that I can still watch an HD. It's Blu-ray. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I love Blu-rays, but... This is going to be our first color uh, film noir. Yes, it is. We did yeah. Roadhouse, of course, but this is a legit yeah. of, the, of the era first of the era, color, yes. so... There's a lot. There's a lot I'm looking forward to with this one. I also see this was made in Mexico. We'll see if that comes up plot-wise, but yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. But boy, oh boy, that graphic design sucks. 20th Century Fox. I hope Disney together. buys you and uh, calls it a day. It's, this is what happened. You lay your guard down and look what happened. If only, if only it was a Warner film and it could have been a Warner archive. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I wanted to. I had such a good segue, Dan, that I just made. I used it for this episode, but I was like, oh, I didn't. I wanted to say shout out to Warner Archive. They just. I just got my Thundar the Barbarian yes. set. I, I'm obsessed with this thing. The, the episodes are so beautiful. 
the show is, I, I'm, you know, I've seen little bits and pieces, but I was always like, ah, I'm going to really absorb this one day. Mm. Didn't buy the made on demand DVD for many years. And right when I was ready to, this gem came about and uh, it, it's so good. The animation, incredible. Um, mm. You think of that time is like from the seventies, usually they kind of skimp out. You get like repeated backgrounds and it's just very lazy. Well, it's it's the eighties, right? It's eighties though, right? Actually seventies. It's the, the, Early to mid seventies. Are you sure? I thought go it was eighties. Go ahead and look that up, Dan. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's very involved animation. I, I I do find charm in some of the the lazier animations. I, I'm not trying to shit talk them, but I, I just was blown away by how involved everything was. Yeah, it is October of 1980 to October of 1981. 80 to 81. Okay, so perfect. Yeah, so right on, the, right on the cusp. But yeah, I remember watching it on uh, Boomerang. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the only times I did see an episode or two was from Boomerang. And, and the plots, like, you, you find yourself, like, invested in them. You're not like, oh, like, this is whatever. Like, yeah. you find yourself, like, into Oh, it. my God, they had some, like, race for, like, this, this helmet and just the characters that existed. And I, I just, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm having a blast, so. Cool. Yeah, I, I, since, you've been, since you mentioned it, I was thinking about, like, I'm sure eventually I'll pick it up. Um, it's definitely one, you know, I want to get that and I want to get the upgrade for the Space Ghost one because I have the DVD I version. Do. I have the DVD version of that, but I don't have the upgrade. But that was like my favorite cartoon. I've been slacking on that. Um, I would say they both share a character designer. Alex Toth uh, yes. did some some character designs on Thunder the Barbarian, as does my personal hero, Jack Kirby. and mm-hmm. was created by Steve Gerber, who created Howard the Duck. So a lot of good comic stuff in there, but of course... As we all realize, comics doesn't pay, so you, you make some money with animation, and look what you get, the good stuff. Yep. There's a documentary on there, too. I'm looking forward to really getting into all of it. But Oh, there's a documentary on, on the, the Blu-ray? Yeah, good good feature on that one. Cool. So really looking forward to that. Maybe I'll have a review next week, because I'm sure I'm going to devour into it. Didn't mean to, to steal the outro so much, but I got to give my Thundar a shout-out. I don't want to steal your Thundar. Thank you, Dan. That's the note we're going out on. How about that? Yeah, that's all I have to say. I don't have anything else. I, I really? feel like I want to. I want to go out on a high note. It's going to be a Thunder the Barbarian joke. Fuck yeah! See, you're speaking my language, sir. Yep. I got one last thing to say. Okay. Here's the crime. Here's the crime. Heading 